God is so good to us, amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we love you, and we just want to say that you're amazing. We thank you for the time that we were able to spend with you this morning, just worshiping you and singing, singing these words that mean so much to us as, as followers of Christ, that you came for us, that you died for us, that we can live in you, that we can surrender our lives and you can be God of our lives. God, we just thank you for those things. And God, this morning as we open your word, we pray that you would open our eyes. As we read your word, we pray that you would open our heart, that we could draw closer to you. We love you. We just give you thanks. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, it's good to be here this morning with you. Pastor Rick is not here, but it's his birthday. He is 60 years old, so I need you to do something. I need you to get on social network and just flood his wall with birthday greetings and love from the congregation because we do love our pastor. He is, he's an amazing shepherd, and uh, this has been a great year for him. And just let him know how much we love him. So get on your, your social network and uh, show that appreciation to him. This morning we're talking about Christmas. What a great, a great season. A season where families come together place where we trim the trees and decorate and bake cookies. Thinking about cookies, I just want to thank the women's ministry of the church. We had an amazing party last night where they ushered in so many amazing treats. It was like a diabetic coma almost. It, it was so much. I had three chips because I knew that I was going to be preaching today, but I have a whole plate of cookies at home that I'm going to eat after communion. I prayed for it. It's okay. As we come here this morning, we think about Christmas, and in our culture, there are so many things that remind us, remind us of Christmas, and here's one of them. 25 years. One of the young adults told me this week that this has been playing. This is the 25th anniversary of Home Alone. It's a funny little show. It's been on every year uh, for the last 25 years, but every year my family watches it, and yes. <laughs> here's another show. Elf. Last year, I have a great story. Jim and I dressed up. I dressed up as an elf, went to the campus church with a big backpack of hot chocolate, and we were going to go and pass out hot chocolate dressed as an elf like that, only in red. And we get up to the campus, and the chocolate backpack explodes. Hot chocolate is burning all over my face and back, and I'm yelling, it burns, dressed as an elf. <laughs> I decided I'll stay with the gospel. We gave out M&M packs this year. <laughs> Minus the elf costume. Another thing that you might see, you might remember this, Miracle on 30, 34th Street, a beautiful classic movie. And as culture continues to move forward, we will see things like this, the great Christmas tree. And we love how we go and we decorate the Christmas tree. And I learned really quickly coming to Calvary that the men of Calvary cut down their own trees. So the first year I came here and I said to Laura, we got to cut down a tree in that voice. And I, and I said, how do I cut down a tree? What do I use? And Laura said, go get a saw. And I said, we need a chainsaw. I'm a man. <laughs> I got this little tiny saw. Well, we went out there and we got a tree and we wrapped it up and I paid like $55 and we strapped it to the roof of the car. We took it home and we decorated it. It was amazing. This year I went to Metro. It was like 29 bucks. I just went to the front. I'm like, nobody got time to do that. <laughs> so I got my tree at Metro this year. I put it up. It's beautiful. We think about Christmas. We think about movies and time together and classic traditions. We think about the Christmas tree. 
And as our society changes, we see things like this. Happy holidays. We go into stores, nobody says Merry Christmas anymore. It's happy holidays because we don't want to offend people. We don't want to make people uncomfortable. Man, I love Christmas. Christ's celebration. I always say Merry Christmas, never happy holidays. And as we continue to go further, we see this. Inside the church, the nativity postcard, we think about the first Christmas. We give these out. And it's a beautiful reminder of what Christ has done for us. He came on a rescue mission for us. I've been following this, this writer, this blogger, and he's been talking about how society has been changing and how uh, statistics have been going out there and that most churches today are accommodating at Christmas time and at Easter something called the religious hangover. The religious hangover are those people who grew up maybe in a church, maybe a few times while they were children going with a grandparent, aunt, maybe a parent. They've attended church, but they have moved away. But during the holidays, we are flooded with those who are called the religious hangovers. These are people who are looking for the transcendent God, the God that is far away. They believe in a God. They believe there is God, but they don't know him as personal Lord and Savior. It's the, it's the idea of going to church because they have a healthy fear of, what if I'm wrong? <laughs> or I better show up. And most pastors, including myself, would take full advantage of the opportunity to share the gospel at both these outreaches, outreach nights at Christmas and at Easter because we believe we serve a personal God, not a God that's far away. And as we move into society and as society moves forward and the secular movements pushes harder, happy holidays and things like that, and as most churches try to jazz up the Christmas story moving away from the manger scenes. I'm concerned. I'm concerned as a person and as a pastor, but as a, as a follower of Christ, that we're losing out on what the first Christmas teaches us. So this morning, we are going to go on a journey about the title of us, our title of this this morning is, We're Not That Far Away from the Christmas Story. Now, if you have a Bible or, or electronic version, we're going to be reading from the book of Matthew. I want to read the story to give us some context as we go through. So turn, turn to Matthew 1 with me. I'm going to read this. It's going to be at verse 18, starting Matthew 1, 18. And the title for this section is The Birth of Jesus Christ. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed, to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call, him, shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, 
but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called him, his name Jesus. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is the king who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. This is the word of God. May it add a blessing to our life as we read it, as we study it, as we apply it to our lives. Over the last two Christmases, I've had the pleasure to work with Pastor Steve and his, uh, and his department um, in the productions for Christmas. I've been a shepherd both years. Both years walking out, dressed as a shepherd, growing beards, and it's been great. It's given me an opportunity to see the nativity scene, to see the story, the first Christmas, in a different light. The story has really come alive to me in a whole new way. And I believe, as we look at the postcard of the nativity scene, as we zoom in, we look at the characters, sometimes we can feel like we're twice removed. But the reality is we're closer to the first Christmas than we realize. So this morning, we're going to take a little journey, and we're going to look at the first Christmas and see how it applies to us. And to do this, we have to rewind ourselves back from, from the manger to the announcement where we see Joseph and Mary had a very complicated relationship. A very complicated relationship. We know in the young adult world, things are actually true when it appears on Facebook. So if our relationship starts or someone starts dating, or someone's engaged, or someone's getting married, if it's posted on Facebook, then we know it's true. So they had a very complicated situation. When we go to the Word of God, we see that Mary is engaged to Joseph. Before their wedding, Mary becomes pregnant. In the Old Testament, or in the Testament, the laws would be if a, a groomsman would go and they would prepare a place. They would go prepare a place for them to stay and live. So Joseph goes off, he comes back, Mary's pregnant. This is awkward. It's weird. He doesn't know what to do. As we read into the word, Joseph is described as a just man. He's a good man. He's a man that loved Mary. He didn't want to put her to shame, so he decided to divorce her quietly. Joseph takes time to consider his possible actions Think before you act out of emotion. It's something we can learn from Joseph there. We don't see this on the postcard. We have the cute little scene where they're worshiping Jesus. We don't see this in the plays, that their life was a mess, and most likely that people knew about it, that Mary and Joseph's family and people around in the place where they lived would have known about this that was happening, that Mary was pregnant, they weren't married yet. And when we think about it, when we look at it, we can think about that's a story that would happen a long time ago, but we're not really that far away from the first Christmas. Because today, even this morning, there are many Christians who love God, but would describe many of the relationships as complicated. Complicated with maybe a family member, complicated with a spouse complicated with a parent or even with a, a wayward child or a person that they're, they're, they're trying to work things out. It's a complicated situation at this moment. Some would, say, some would say it's a mess, and others see it, 
They know about it. And as time goes along, many people try to just gloss over it or hope it will change. They cover it with maybe an addiction or even a healthy habit. If I just stay busy, maybe things will just work out. And others just let it consume them. This, the stress of the situations just weighs so heavy on their life. They just become downtrodden and just depressed. They look at the manger scene at Christmas and they say, that's nice. That will never be us. But the truth is this morning, that is us. That is us. And one thing I want us to think about this morning as we look at the scene is that when we do not know what to do, we need to stop, consider, seek, and obey God. Stop for a moment in the situation, consider what is going on, seek and obey God. As we go to the scripture this morning, we see Joseph the just, he has his own title there, Joseph the just, he considered these things, the things that were happening, and God sent an angel of the Lord to Joseph and told him, don't give up. What a great message when you're going through things that you don't understand, don't give up. Don't give up. Many of us want to throw in the towel. Many of us want to walk away. And he was thinking about these things, and the angel said, don't give up. Take Mary as your wife. The Virgin Mary, history records, she's either between 12 or 15. Either way, that's young. Had the angel Gabriel show up in her life and said, don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You're going to have a baby. We find this in Luke 1.30. We see nowhere in the scripture, nowhere, Joseph praying to God, God, bring me a wife and make sure she's pregnant. That's not in there. We do not see Mary praying, God, show me favor and let me be the mother of a savior. That's not there. It's not there. In both situations, they obeyed God. They trusted in the words that were shared to them, words in a dream and words from the mouth of the angels. They trusted in God when others would talk about them, look at them funny or even weird. And even when they didn't understand themselves, they obeyed God. They obeyed God. Out of this mess, as some people would say it would be a mess, came the most important gift to the world, Jesus Christ. So our first point this morning is this. Our application, what we draw out of the scriptures from this story is a complicated family situation does not disqualify God from working in your life. A complicated family situation does not disqualify God from working in your life. Many people talk about that, I'm not good enough. It's too hard. God wouldn't love me. Just the other night, we had a, a team of young adults witnessing to another young adult coming in first time into the church, sharing with them. And she said, the church is wonderful and the people are nice, but would God really love me? I just don't believe that because of my life. 
We look right here. A complicated family situation, a complicated relationship, a complicated workplace does not disqualify God from working in your life. This Christmas, as we gather with people, as we gather with our family, let it be more than just trimming the trees, baking the cookies, and wrapping the presents. Let the presence of God come into the situation that you are facing. Take the words of the Bible and apply it to your life. That's, a, that's a, an excuse we hear sometimes. Well, well Mary and Joseph had angels. And, and he had a dream. We get the very word of God. We get to hold it. We, to, we get to go to it anytime we want. And it's still powerful. It's still applicable. It still changes lives. Take the word of God and apply it to your life. And this season, as we look at family, love your wives. Love your husbands. Ask for forgiveness. Forgive. Love those in your family and in your community. Pastor Dwayne brought it this morning in his, in his prayer. That God has convicted his heart to look up and look out. Because there are so many people around that do not get to come to the, to the throne, come to the cross and say, I adore him. Because they don't know him. Don't walk out. Don't cover up. Don't just settle. That's very popular this year. This time of year is we're just going to get the tree up. We're just going to get through the holidays. It'll be okay. Just put on the smile. Just throw the cookies out. Throw the, cookie, the music on. We're just going to get through this time. And we settle. And God says, don't settle. Come to me. Obey. Pastor Rick shared an amazing truth last week. He said this. I want to get it right. He said, God desires obedience over sacrifice. I was sitting right over there where Pastor Dwayne was, and I wrote it down. God desires obedience over sacrifice. Sacrifice is about us. And in our relationships, we can claim that we're sacrificing in our marriages. We're, I'm doing all the work. I'm working every day. I'm doing everything. I'm sacrificing for the family. I put on my big pants, big boy pants. I have little pants. I'm sacrificing. But in obedience, God sets the standard. And we do not get to claim anything. When we say we follow God, we should be saying I'm obeying God in our daily life. No matter what the situation is, we have that hope in our heart that God is for us and not against us. When we put our faith and trust in him. Because he was the one, the Emmanuel, as it is listed in the word of God, that came for us. His name, Emmanuel, means God with us. Many of us want to play God instead of follow God and obey God. And God just says, let me bust through. Let me bust through on that situation. Let me lead through it. And day after day, we stress about things that we can't control, things about tomorrow, but we do not know the future, but we know the one who holds the future. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and nothing has changed with his character. And if he promised them, he promises us. We need to hold that close to our hearts. 
So I asked, do you have a complicated family Christmas on the way? Is it already brewing? Just got to get through these holidays. My family's coming. God can work. Because when we take away the tree, the bell, the bells, the stocking stuffers, and the garland, and we bring it back to the very first Christmas, we're going to notice something all too familiar. We see God calling on two people to trust him in the hardest ways because he had a plan. We don't see candy canes or wreaths or kids with wish lists or people saying happy holidays. We don't see any of that. We see real people with real problems in real situations in real need. And we see how in the midst of darkness, confusion, and even a little bit of loneliness, God breaks through. God breaks through. Do you need a breakthrough? Do you need a moment this year where God just breaks through? This season, when we look back at the first Christmas, the situations of Mary and Joseph, they were not ideal. You're pregnant. What? Trust me. Take her as your wife. Go on a long journey. Have a baby in a barn. Okay? That's a hard truth. But they applied it to their situations and they obeyed. And for many of us here today, that first Christmas, we can look at that postcard, we can look at that scene, and we can think, yeah, that's nice. But it's far from my reality. That first Christmas is far away. But if we take a real close look at that first Christmas, it gives us an example about how gives us an example of how we need to live our lives every day. That each day, there's going to be a complicated situation that arises. Not each day, but in our lives, things, things do happen. And things are going to feel like they're out of control. And things are going to feel like we're not in control. And we always want to be in control. But trusting God in those situations and obeying is what he asks us for. So when we think about it, that very first Christmas, a complicated family situation does not disqualify God from working in your life. And I believe that God wants to work in our lives. I believe he wants to break through. And I believe that we as God's people need to press in and obey him and ask him to be God of our life and to move us out of the way. God is so good to us and he's amazing. We need to trust him. That's the first thing we see as we look at the postcard, as, as we look at the nativity scene. The second thing that we see is unexpected visitors and gifts. We all love to gather around the Christmas tree in the morning, especially in our house. We, we, we love to just get the kids there, the excitement of loved ones ripping through the paper to reveal the displays of love that are tucked neatly under the tree. Well, if you have kids, they're usually not neatly. It's just piled there. 
I love watching my kids on Christmas morning. Laura and I know exactly what's under the tree, but they don't. It's a mystery. It's a surprise in which each gift they rip into, their face changes with delight. And over the years, Laura and I have noticed a pattern when it comes to our kids. They wait in anticipation for us to get ready in the morning to pray and thank Jesus for the year and what he has, what he has done. And then we often hear Bella from another room going, hurry up, Dad, hurry up. As we run to the other room and we come in, they begin to open up their gifts. With each gift they open, we notice a pattern. They pull out all their gifts in a pile and they put them in piles based on how they will use them. Clothes go in one pile, toys and electronics in another. Our kids are now discovering gift cards. (laughs) So they go in the wallets. My boys have wallets, so they get their wallets out and put all their gift cards in. Some of these gifts will be used that day, some the week after, and in time when they need. Each gift is loved, but holds a different value based on what, what and how they will use it. When we were back in St. John, we would begin Christmas morning, we would open the gifts, and before 7.30, Laura's parents would be at the door. They had like visitors coming right at the beginning. We got into the habit that I would stay dressed Christmas Eve <laughs> because they were there so early the next day that I would just get up and I'd be like, hey, I'm ready. <laughs> Didn't you wear that to church last night? Yes. Welcome. I'll be cooking bacon. That morning we would get up and family would begin to come and visitors would begin to come. And if you're part of a church, especially on the, ba- on the East Coast, many people would love to come over. You did family together. And most of the time it wasn't your family. It was a neighbor, a friend. It was people on your street. Like when they talk about the East Coast being friendly, it was like that. It was awesome and annoying. <laughs> it was okay. <laughs> And then our church friends would show up and different pastors and kids in the neighborhood. Then good friends and then new friends. And over time, it would be family of loved ones coming and our house would be this hub of action. A celebration of toys and games and food and candy. Man, I love the candy. And other times, it would be frustration. Usually, the frustration is me yelling to Laura, why did you buy this toy and not get batteries and I have to deal with this? (laughs) Buy toys with batteries. So we have a whole drawer of batteries now. And with the excitement throughout the day, we laugh, we share, we gift, and we receive. And at the end of the day, we are tired. Anyone else have a Christmas like that? Any parents in the room? You just go all day, and by the time you get home, you're just, you're just going to sleep in the clothes again. <laughs> you just stay dressed because <laughs> you're so tired. And when we think about the Word of God, as we look at the Word of God this morning, Mary and Joseph had visitors too. They did. They had visitors that brought gifts that first Christmas. The word of God shares that the wise men from the east came to the house. They saw the child with Mary and fell down and worshiped him. They opened their treasures and they offered him gifts of gold, gifts of frankincense and of myrrh. These important gifts that would be used in the life of Jesus. They were very practical, but they were also symbolic. When we think about these gifts, the gold represented his kingship. Frankincense, his deity, and the myrrh, his sacrificial death and burial. But we know they were also practical because God took Mary and Joseph on a, plan, on a trip 
from their hometown to, from one place where they're at to Joseph's hometown because Herod wanted to have a census. And like us at the end of the day of Christmas, after we're done visiting or we have visitors leave our house, we often just settle down and nestle nice in bed. But for Mary and Joseph, they didn't get to go home. I didn't read this part of the scripture, but it's in verse 13, chapter 2, verse 13. They didn't get to go back home. They had to go to Egypt. So God provided for them. It's something we need to know and understand. And when we're part of God's family, he will provide for us in ways that we do not know or even believe in. Most of the time, a blessing, most people in today's society, a blessing is money, but it's not. It's the little things that God highlights for us. And often, we don't even know what kind of blessings he's given us. But those who are fine-tuned into the blessings of God, they're everywhere. From a smile to a, to a handshake to some encouragement to someone just sitting beside you when you're going through a rough situation. That's a blessing. God provides those things. And we see in the scriptures that God sent wise men to a poor family. The story speaks about these wise men coming and seeing Jesus. They worshiped him. And they brought gifts to him. This story teaches us and speaks about worshiping God alone. The wise men, they do not worship Mary. You do not find that there. And Joseph is not even in the picture. And I know for sure Joseph wasn't out cooking bacon like me. When you think about this story, the visitors came to see Jesus. Even though I'm sure they didn't understand the full plan of the God-man that was being revealed to them at that moment. See, in the very first Christmas, we see the power of Jesus in the life of a family. A baby boy who was sent as the hope of the world, Pastor Rick shared with us as we had 4,000 visitors last weekend. He said, Jesus came on a rescue mission for the world. That was the first Christmas. He came on a rescue mission for the whole world. A baby boy who was sent as the hope of the world in the care of a teenager and her husband in a place that no one would ever believe a king would come from. The circumstances were not ideal. But we see how God brought the wise men to see Jesus. And they asked, where is he who is born? King of the Jews. I love the word of God. I love the stories. I love how we can pull things out and apply them to our lives. And when we dig deep and press in and look at this part of the scripture, we're going to notice three things. I just want to highlight them. The first thing is that he is king. The wise men said, where is the king who is born? King of the Jews. This is just a baby. But he's king and lord. The second thing is that we see and notice out of this is that he is alone to be worshipped. We don't worship any other god. No other god is worthy to be worshipped like King Jesus. No other god has come for us on a rescue mission. No other god has paid the sacrificial price so that we could have life and life abundant. He alone is ascribed that worth. He is our king and our God. And the third thing we see from the scriptures is he will be worshipped by people other than the Jewish people, the chosen people. We see that wise men, they came from the east. Most likely, 
They came from Babylon, is what theologians say. They, oft, they also say that they were Gentiles. This is also a picture of what Jesus would do. He would include others in the rescue mission. Us. We see this at the first Christmas. We often miss that on the postcard. But when we, de- when we dig deep, when we press in, when we, we draw our attention close, we see the truth of that very first Christmas, and we're not too far away from it. So this Christmas season, will God bring people into our lives, into your lives, who are looking for Jesus? These people may be wise, they may have more than you, and you may think you might not have much to offer, but in reality, they're not really there for you. They're coming, and they're looking for Jesus. Because God is continually sending out through the world seeds. He's looking for a harvest, and he's going to harvest a people of his own. And this Christmas, when it gets busy and people are showing up at your house or even at your job or even with your kids, God may have brought people to see Jesus, even though they're in your house. They might they may not really be there for you. Let me explain that. As a, Christ, as, a, as a pagan or as a person outside of the faith, I was... I didn't know Jesus, and I never grew up in a household that loved Jesus. And when you think about this last Christmas season, Pastor Steve gave me this CD, and I put it in my car, and every day I would listen to 12, track 12, track 16, track 18, and track 19 to learn my lines. And from coming to the church and going home and coming from the church to campus or picking up kids and taking them to swim class or hockey, different things, I was listening to this. And one of the lines that I was, had to listen and memorize is, I'm a nobody. I'm a sinner. I'm a good-for-nothing buzzard on a garbage pile. It sounds really funny. And the first time I heard it, I'm like, okay. But day after day, as I push the track on to play, I begin to hear that. I'm a nobody. I'm a sinner. And in my life, before I met Christ, I met people who were redeemed by Christ. And not every one of them presented the gospel in its full presentation. But there were people in my life, maybe about 20 different people that prayed with me or offered me a handshake or invited me to church or invited me to small group or invited me out for coffee or invited me to hold their dog or invited me to go for lunch. And every time we would go, they would share a little piece of the the Christian faith with me. And I thought I was there to see them. But I was really, (laughs) I was there for Jesus. Jesus kept bringing me to God's, his own people so I could see himself. And then over time, I already had the seed planted in my heart and God was willing to pull it. But he used about 20 different people to get that seed in there. And then the day the gospel was presented, I didn't even wait till the preacher was done. I just walked right up front. I'm ready now. Let's do this. This Christmas season, God could be bringing people to see Jesus. Because when we look at the scriptures, we see that God, the first Christmas, we see the power of Jesus in the life of a family. 
So what do we draw from this? What's the application point? Well, this Christmas, will the people in your life see past the beautiful decor and the wonderful lights? And will they notice you submitting to Jesus as King and Lord? Will they notice you worshiping Jesus? Will they see you inviting others? Will they get that invite this year to Jesus? When we take a look at the first Christmas, we see those things. We see complicated family situations, but God working. We see people coming to know the Lord, coming and worshiping Jesus. It's a powerful picture of us. God's doing the same thing today. We have Jesus in our lives. We have, G- we have the opportunity to have Jesus as our king. We share him. We ascribe worth to him. We love on him. I want you to think about this. Look at the pure, sinless Jesus born to a mother under questionable circumstances. Look at the maker of the universe being that denied space in the inn, having to occupy the space of a stable. Look at Christ being adorned by all of heaven and then see him in a stinking feeding trough flanked by animals. Part of the glory of the incarnation is holding this tension in your mind. When we look at the first Christmas story, the God of heaven came down low and lived a life that we could associate with, that we could understand, but he lived it perfect, and he set this example for us because he loves us and he cares for us. You think about your Christmas holiday this year. Do you need God to come into your life? When we remove all the fancy Christmas attire and we pull up the nativity postcard and we zoom right in, you may see yourself. You will also notice God on a mission to intervene in the lives of ordinary people with messed up situations. Our messed up lives do not stop God from intervening. And when we say yes to God and obey his directions, amazing things will begin to happen. God will even bring people into your lives to see Jesus because he trusts that. He will use you. You can be on mission for Jesus. One of my favorite pastors, there's a guy named Kevin DeYoung. I've been following him for a little bit. Um, He is just a gospel-centered preacher, and he posted this on Facebook the other day. He said, God remembered his covenant on that silent night, that holy night. He remembered it on resurrection morning, and he will remember it for you. When you put your hope, faith, trust in Jesus Christ, he will not let you down. He will not forsake you. He will not leave you behind. He'll actually do the opposite. He'll actually be so strong in your life and so he'll come after you so much that you'll have to look to him. Many of us are on the left and on the right of our situations and God continues to bring people and things into our life to make sure that we're on track so that we will see Jesus and ascribe worth to him. My last point this morning, 
It's actually not a point at all. It's an action. And as we come together this morning, we open the word of God. We've seen the power of God move in the life of Mary and, in, and of Joseph. We have learned that God will work in all situations, that God brings people onto himself. We declared that God remembers his covenants with his people. And so we are going to remember his sacrifice this morning as we go to the communion table. See, Jesus came that very first morning as a baby, but he didn't stay there in the stable. He grew up. He lived a great life, a hard life. But he lived a life and he went right to the cross. We sang it this morning. At the cross, I surrender my life. Jesus surrendered his life at the cross on our behalf. He didn't stay a baby. This is the God that we're talking about this morning. And as we go to the table this morning, we're going to remember that. We're going to preach that to each other. Even though Jesus died, he is alive. He is alive. He is alive this Christmas. He is intervening in the lives of so many people in this church, in this community. He is alive. That's good news. The next moments is for the church. It's for those who declared with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and they believe in their hearts that God has raised him from the dead. This next moment, if you've never turned your life over to Jesus as King or Lord of your life and you're just checking things out, if you do not have a personal relationship with God, just let the cup and the bread go by. But I have to say it. I have to share this morning. The word says, if you hear the word of God, do not harden your heart. I'd like to say, don't miss this moment for the real God to intervene in a real life. Your life. He matters. You matter. You can do this here this morning. I'm going to pray, and Pastor Steve is going to lead us through a song, and our deacons are going to come up, and we're going to get prepared in the next moment. But if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, you've been trying to play God of your life, but you need God to be your life, because you're so stressed out and you're so trying to take care of everything, let me tell you, God is there for you. Maybe someone brought you here this morning. I had a gentleman this morning come up and he said, my friend brought me, it's the first time I've been in church. He said, I need to talk to someone right now. And he just broke down crying. Maybe that's you this morning. Don't miss this opportunity to meet with the real God. He is here for you. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and we just thank you for your word. And Father, I just want to begin with the kids this morning coming up on the stage as they sang that song, Keep Christ in Christmas. What a message. As our world is going to the wayside, they want to take Christ out of everything. But your people, we stand for you. We stand for truth. We stand for love because you stood for us. You stood in our place and you died on that cross so that we can have life. And we know that our lives are complicated. We know that our lives are messy. But that does not disqualify you from working because you're bigger than our lives. You're bigger than our situations. And God, we need to call out to you. 
This is just not uh, a once-in-a-lifetime thing. It's an everyday thing. God, help me to obey you as Lord of my life. Help me to come under you, walk with you, listen to you, read from your word, apply it to my life. Help me to raise my family well. Give me one day a family. These are all prayers that we think about. And God, this morning I pray for anyone here that does not have a personal relationship with Christ. God, you offer that free to everyone. We see that in the story as you came on a rescue mission. As we declare your name, Emmanuel, God with us, we have that opportunity here this morning. And God, I know that you know every heart. So God, if there's a heart here that hasn't surrendered to you, I pray that you would intervene at this moment. I pray that they would turn that, their life over to you. I pray that they would call out to you and say, God, I need you in my life. I need you to be God. I know that I am a sinner. I need your grace and your mercy. I know this is a life that I'm just beginning with you and I don't have all the answers, but I know that you've brought me to a place where, where the answers can be found. And you've brought people in this place to help guide me along the way. God, I want to surrender my life to you. I want to give it to you. I need you. God, uh, if there is someone who has prayed that this morning, we just want to say thank you for that, God. We just thank you for your grace and for your mercy. We love you. As we go to the table, Father, we remember you. You're alive. You're amazing. You're God. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.